Hello, hello, and welcome to episode 48 of I Understood That Reference. How are you, Rob? Hello, how are you, Ross? How are you getting on? I realize it's probably more fun to say your name as well, because we kind of branded as this podcast from Rob and Ross, but only you only ever ask my name, and then maybe people are like, who's that other mystery guy? My concern is they don't realize that you're Ross, so I'm just reinforcing that. So now that's what I'm going to do. This is going to be my bit now going forward. I'm going to be like, how are you, Ross, or something? Isn't that fun? Isn't that it? It's, it's, <laughs> it's a... <laughs> what an amazing bit. Just saying my name. Hey, Ross, yeah. how are you? <laughs> that's my contribution today. This is, I'm excited about it. <laughs> a bit's a bit, man. A bit is a bit. Oh, uh, yeah. So that's, that's what it is now. It's like those. Uh, it's like that's actually making me think of those amazing. Uh, do you remember the Sminky shorts from back in the day? Oh, love them! Incredible. Just basically to catch people up, it's this these very crudely animated little one or two minute video clips with with outrageous Irishisms and accents at play. Like like for example, the conversation at an Irish funeral, where it's just like essentially what would normally be two old women discussing it is now kind of two horses or something or two donkeys. They're going, yes. oh, it's awful sad, it's awful sad, it's awful sad, it's awful, awful, awful sad, oh, it's Jesus, it's awful sad. Christ, those videos were incredible. How have I not gone back to those recently? Now, for people, again, who don't know what Rob is talking about right now, I yeah. just want to highlight, he's made an outrageously good impression of the way the person sounds in the video. It actually <laughs> took, took me quite off guard, actually. I was like, oh, it's awful sad, oh, it's awful sad, it's awful sad, oh, Jesus Christ. <gasps> oh, it's awful sad. And then what's this one? Sorry, I can't remember. That might be two mice. And then the horse one I'm thinking of is just your man planning to jump over a... Listen, I... Why am I describing this? This is too difficult to describe. (laughs) Watch. Look up Sminky Shorts on YouTube. Um, Very good stuff. Uh, And and they were incredibly popular. Oh, yeah. Incredibly popular. Particularly for any Irish listeners who hasn't somehow discovered them, they really strike to the core of the silliness of Irish conversations and just the kind of... Essentially, the loops that we find ourselves in. Which would explain why me and Ross do a bloody bi-weekly podcast episode. Am I right? <laughs> Get up them stairs. Oh, 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 speaking, speaking of popular and Irish, uh, Rob, we were picked as podcast of the week by Bullhorn FM. Bullhorn FM. What a load of bulls. <laughs> Jesus, I didn't uh, know. I mean, it was always coming, right? Well, was, I, didn't, I, mean, I didn't. I actually didn't know where I was going. When I, 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 oof, this is a bit of a loosey-goosey approach by me today, this episode. Prepare yourselves, folks. I don't oh, know yeah. what I'm doing. Not like any other episode that is meticulously <laughs> yeah, yeah. researched and well-rounded, of course. <laughs> what a structure. Now look, I wouldn't I wouldn't usually do this, okay? I wouldn't usually indulge myself so much, but there's there's just some parts that I want to read out of this because it it, 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 it it's amazing. It's very, very nice. I can't believe they wrote such a nice thing about us, but just Aww. some of the stuff I'm like I'm like, what? Like is a review podcast hosted by two witty pop culture enthusiasts. Ah, who decided that? Witty <laughs> uh, Offensive is normally what we get, so I'm delighted they paraphrase it ever so slightly. That's great. Making for hilarious discourse between two good friends with heavy Irish accents. <laughs> <laughs> well, that part's true. 
amazing, amazing. But even yeah. still, look, there's, there's loads of nice things like natural podcast hosts easily making their podcast want to check out if you're a fan of binge watching the latest popular movies and television series. Yeah, look, thanks so much for that, guys. That's really, really good. It's it's amazing to see stuff like that because I'm like, we're just two jackines well, drinking <laughs> alcohol and talking shite as we've we've established. Bloody pair of agents, as they say. Uh, am I right? Well, do you know what? It's... Actually, I, I, I read it and it was one of those reviews which was it kind of touched on some specific things that I think are are unique to the the pod because um, obviously pods are ubiquitous in every bloody genre these days. So I I I, I really uh, respect the the effort they went to. So thank you, Bullhorn Gang. Yeah, well, I just wanted to say that because, like, as I said, I know it's super indulgent, but it's just—I mean, I know oh, it it's is. really kind of nice. It's super indulgent. Everyone's like, "You guys are assholes." <laughs> it's going to get taken down next week now. <laughs> yeah, I understood that reference. Unearns the podcast of the week title <laughs> in the first podcast in history where we stripped them of the title. Yeah, it'll actually be a stripping ceremony where it's yeah, just yeah. me and you being like lashed with whips in the corner, like. Oh, Jesus! I mean, let's let's hope one 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 can hope, huh? Uh, yeah, yeah, it's your kind of thing. But look, enough shite as usual in this well-structured, well-rounded podcast of ours. Of, of Rob, course. is there anything? Is there anything movie, comic, or video game related you want to you want to talk about or bring up? Because I feel like there is. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, I just want to go. This is it's that it's that time of the year. It's time for our, our annual shit on the shit brigade. Let's tackle the the, the madness that is that is the Golden Globe Awards. <laughs> The Golden Globe Awards, I happened. Uh, so that's the news on that. Terrible, terrible show, really, and no prestige. <laughs> the, the, from, from what I, from what I hear, uh, they were pretty shit. So uh, I, I have to say, yeah. usually we would do like we we've done the last I think two years in a row, pretty much a segment like literally crapping on the Golden Globes and their their worth and their usefulness as award ceremonies, and I think this year really imbued that spirit. <laughs> Yeah, I, I absolutely did. I mean, basically, they did all the hard work for us. I think, I will say, it's always going to be hard to do something virtual like this and for it to be punchy and effective because I think the the one saving grace that they've had is they typically have witty comedians as hosts. Sometimes, not all the time. But they had the fantastic uh, Amy Poehler and Tina Fey hosting again. But it was virtual, and I watched their opening monologue, and like there were some good jibes in there, but they made this an interesting decision to like have... Amy Poehler, I think, was in L.A. or New York, and Tina Fey was there. One was in L.A., one was in New York. So they they also were remote to each other. So when they were jump between what they were supposed to be saying, they had a bit of fun with that remoteness, but then also I think it let them down. It was weirdly sort of static at times, and I was like, ooh, ah, ooh, ooh, God, I am struggling to watch this. But, you know, they took a few good digs. You will really appreciate they took a real swipe at uh, Quentin Tarantino's obsession uh, of feet, actually, which I thought was hilarious. So, you know, lots of little moments like that. But then when it came to the awards, obviously, some of the decisions around the films that are picked, that's the one that you and I have always had issues with. Mm. But, uh, yeah, and like... Man, oh man, they didn't disappoint on the controversy this year, which I well, yeah, I just, I just don't want to get into it. Quite frankly, I don't want to breathe more life into something that's now come and gone. I will say on the positive note, they decided to, I think, embrace more diversity this year. So that's what I did when I called out. I think um, the one interesting one, especially, was Chloe Zhao has uh, she won Best Director for her film Nomadland, and that's particularly interesting. The the the, fir- the first. First, uh, uh, yes, yeah. probably. I I assume the first female and first uh, Asian female as well, obviously. But I think was it the first Asian director as well, winner of Golden Globes. I think as well. She's from she's ch- from China originally, 
Um, and like she's been like tearing it up on the sort of indie landscape for a while, and so much so that she's she's already directed uh, Eternals, which is coming out next year for the MCU. That's why I wanted to call that out. So the fact that I think she did a, she did another film called The Rider uh, two or three years ago. Um, about a, a, a jockey who gets injured um, severely and kind of wants to get back. Supposed to be really good. So then she's done Nomadland, which is kind of this uh, indie project again with Frances McDormand. But um, obviously the, the MCU folks, as they tend to do, they see this epic or this really well-received indie film and they decide to thrust the, <laughs> yeah. this $200 million budget film into the hands of this indie filmmaker, which um, it's, I guess it sometimes works, sometimes it doesn't. But uh, because she seems to be consistent on you know her more personal project i'm really interested to see what she does with eternals that's what i wanted to call it and you know what fair play to her that she broke the mold and fair play to her is right and, and to bring it back full circle to us and our irishness eternals mm. of course is also going to uh, star the most uncharismatic irish man in history barry keown <laughs> do you not like him <laughs> do i not like him he has he, he can't he has no he has no charisma he's the he's the charismaless man and this is coming from me, who also has zero charisma. So I can tell like for like. Oh, come on. I Look, I think the characters he plays are... Oh, feckin' hell, he's 28. He does not look that old. He he has what I'm going to describe as a wizened actor's face. Does that make sense? <laughs> Jeez. <laughs> like, you know, like he'd be the guy when you come out of a film, He's not his name isn't that famous yet. So you, you people would reference him as like, who was that funny looking fella in there? Uh, just because of the way he kind of, it's it's also I think also <laughs> he just has this this unusual kind of I think it's it's the way he, he maybe it's also the movies he plays he plays someone who's who's like this very dark or or, or lifeless person um, or someone who's just low in energy or whatever that also significantly contributes to him because I never yeah. haven't seen him play like a lively comedic character I think that's a problem as well and he's in to be fair to him he's in absolutely fantastic projects like he was obviously he was in an irish uh, show called love hate he was in dunkirk oh my god yeah he was in chernobyl yes i mean all these things have been tremendous successes he's also in the killing of a sacred deer which is a, another indie film with colin farrell as well and he's very good in it but like you said i feel like you know whenever they cast you know kind of silent kind of odd looking person that's him that's like yeah that's a Barry Keown type role right there so I'm yeah. very intrigued to see <laughs> if that's different in the Eternals because hopefully it is because that seems a little bit kind of weird and out there so let's cross those fingers I forgot he was in that I think he he might have been nominated for something recently but either way I think and I mean like unusual face in the same way that or just maybe distinctive is a fair f- description in the same way that like you know um, let's th- like Steve Buscemi William Defoe. Willem, Def- Willem Dafoe or Willem Dafoe is a great comparison, but he's also an, a phenomenal actor, confirmed. So we don't need to worry about him, and so is Steve Buscemi, obviously. But yeah, I just thought anyway, Golden Globes, bloody Eternals, loads of exciting stuff. Barry Keown, Barry Keown, the bloody the the Barry Keown and the Eternal Men. That's what that's what the movie should be called. <laughs> uh, well, maybe it will be based on his success. Like you know what I mean? Exactly. Forget about the maybe others. Maybe that's Forget his power. Is his face. Yeah, forget about this diverse cast. Let's just bin them all now. 100% Barry. 100% Barry. There you go. And he's Irish, so there you go. St. Patrick's Day. That's what it'll be. It'll be announced on St. Patrick's Day that he's the lead. Yeah, exactly. Speaking of St. Patrick's Day, just to show it out there. Oh, boy. You know, we are an Irish podcast, guys. I feel like everybody on St. Patrick's Day should automatically just constantly recommend us to people all the time. Ad nauseum. 
Yeah, yeah. I, if and I, I, if you want to be old school, do it the way the St. Patrick did it back today. Get a shamrock and your holy trinity of Irish things to recommend is, I understood that reference, Father Ted and Barry's Tea. And just go around with this trifecta of Irish awesomeness and just broadcast it. Broadcast it out there, just like St. Patrick did. Just like he did back in 231 AD. Whatever the... <laughs> when was he? Maybe that's too early. Around that. When was he alive? <laughs> oh, you're, putting, you're putting me on the spot here, okay? If anybody asks as well, what does what does the, the I Understood That Reference podcast have to do with St. Patrick's Day other under Irish? You can always just say, sure, there are a bunch of feckin' snakes as well, so I've got to get them out, <laughs> huh? Oh, uh, driving the snakes back to Ireland. I saw a great meme about how... What was it? Wait, did you send me that Simpsons meme of, like, two cancel St. Paddy's Day? So just we're just overrun with snakes now. Yes. <laughs> by, by the eighteenth yes. of March. <laughs> In the whacking day episode. Whacking yeah. day. Oh whacking day. Oh god. <laughs> now, there you go. That's our that's our St. Patrick's Day. It's a stick out of the way. Yeah, and yeah. now if you, if you wouldn't mind, yeah. Yeah. And now we have uh, some some lots of listener contribution, but first we have an email oh. um from uh Adrian Corcoran. And the email is entitled Justice for Snyder. Oh. So. Please. <laughs> please read it to me. I have not seen this yet. This gets dangerous. But uh, obviously we did a, a. I put together an episode recently of all our Justice League rants called mm-hmm. Hack Snyder. Excellent, by the way. K- kudos. <laughs> I was so happy with that. <laughs> I'm pretty sure it's one of those scenarios where you came up with the title first and then realized you had to make something to do with that. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Made an excuse to come up in an episode. But, yeah, so, hi, guys. Just sending an email in response to your Hack Snyder podcast. Oh, wow. Oh, yeah. First, let me just say I've enjoyed Snyder's non-DCEU films and will be given his upcoming Army of the Dead film. I said, let me a shot. However, like yourselves, I have not enjoyed his take on the DC franchise. Not everything is Watchmen, Zach. Saying that, I do see (laughs) the logic behind releasing the Snyder cut and must admit to a sense of curiosity possibly morbid curiosity, regards the Snyder Cut. The release of the film makes business sense. WB are under new management since being bought by AT&T and are now launching HBO Max internationally and they need the content for the streaming service. There is also a demand for the Snyder Cut from the fan base. Unbelievable as it may be for some, but there are those people out there who genuinely like Snyder's DCU and hope to see his vision play out. Some may also feel justice, no pun intended, has been done for Snyder, as he originally left the film due to a personal tragedy, and many think WB were somewhat insensitive regards this. As for it being a complete redo, I believe it's been reported that Snyder has rep- filmed only four minutes of new material, so I assume most of the 70 million is going on the effects for scenes they had been filmed but were cut from Whedon's version. So basically, at the end of the day, this is a win for the new management of Warner Brothers, the fans who have been spent years looking for his version to be released, and for Snyder himself. Well, I don't think I will enjoy the film. I'm happy for Snyder and his fan base. His fans raised a considerable sum of money for charities for suicide prevention and Snyder, after suffering personally and professionally, get to release this film. Uh, that's generally all to say regards the film's release. I have more to say regards the quality of Snyder's work, but we'll save that for another time. Thanks for reading my ramblings, Adrian. Not even a, I enjoyed the show, Adrian, or our guys. Not yeah, even what a, the, f- not, what the not hell? Even a great show, guys. Thanks, thanks for all the stuff you do, Adam. <laughs> I, I actually taken aback at how well worded and structured that email was. I was not. Ex- I was expecting more of just a random lampooning. But um, oh yeah, shut up about Zack Snyder, you pricks. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. 
Yeah. Uh, look, a few things I guess we should probably cover here. The first, and 100%. I guess this a, yeah, this is a more general thing. I, I'm just going to launch into this and then I'll let you go if that's all right. Um, yeah. Like, I know a lot of that stuff is kind of saying about maybe the personal tragedies that happened to, to, to Zack Schneider and maybe his treatment by Warner Brothers and some stuff that happened there. And I want to reiterate or highlight that whenever we badmouth this project, we're not trying to be like, that's in any way good that any bad things happen to him. We're not saying that at all. But it's Of course just like, not. Like, like his 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 work, his, his track record of DC films are terrible. So that's where I'm going with this. I'm just yeah. using the best predictor of future behavior is past behavior. And those other two films were shit. So therefore, <laughs> this film is going to be shit. That's that's all, that's as much as there is to it. It's not about back back scenes, behind the scenes meddling or involvement or bad things that happen. It's just that his other films were shit. So of course, this four hour version is also going to be absolutely shit. That's, that's all. That's for me, that's all there is to it. There's no justice for people and good to see this people. I mean, look, Lots of people in Hollywood, I imagine, get shafted and don't get justice. All the time. Yeah, exactly. All the time. Yeah. Okay, that's all I wanted to say. You can go on ahead now. <laughs> um, no, I totally agree. And I think the personal tragedy thing, I think, was shocking. And I, I did, I think I called this out last time. I think, I, you know, I respect him to try and, like, power through. I think what he what happened to him was, like, horrible, 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 horrible for anyone or any parent. So mm. he threw himself into his work, I think, to try and distract himself from it. And, like... You could not begrudge the guy for trying to continue to finish the project despite that happening. Like that's admirable, but oh god, yeah, uh, you know. But I think at the same time, you know, just like your point, the direction was already set in motion. the The tone, the story, and everything. This was all decided, you know, you know, before Batman vs Superman was even out. You know that kind of thing. So by the time Justice League came along, you know, all that kind of all the creative decision making. All the all, you know the direction that it went in that was already set in stone and like it was already troubled before he had to step back because of those personal reasons you know so I think there's there's a distinction to be made between how that impacted the film which is important it's not like that happened and then the film derailed it was already you know they were yeah, already chopping exactly. and changing because of the reaction to Batman versus Superman and Man of Steel all that kind of stuff but Harbin nonetheless uh, also I you know I think I personally I don't give a fuck if this is good for Warner Brothers. Like, who cares if a big cor- one big corporation exactly absorbed another corporation and now they're doing great? Like, I don't care. Like, I think that's actually the problem. I think the the decision is being made out of a, a pursuit of making loads of money and how to rehash a property that they feel they can squeeze more cash out of. They're not doing it from this noble sense of we want to please fans. Yeah, exactly, you know, exactly. So, you know. I get why they're doing it from a business sense. So totally agree. You're dead right. Like they're doing it because they're trying to make the most of the acquisition and they're trying to pump new content to the streaming service. But again, that's just to make more money. It's not out of a noble standpoint. But, um, and also I am, this. I totally agree. Morbid curiosity is going to make me want to watch this. But um, like Ross said, the track record has already basically guaranteed what it's going to be like, unfortunately. But thanks yeah. for the email. I mean, really well worded. But, you know, I have to address... It was already troubled, and those corporate guys do not have the fans' interest at heart at all, at all. They don't care. Yeah, I yeah yeah I agree. And like 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 even the whole four minutes of new material thing, that can't be true. There's no way seventy million has only been gone on, gone on four minutes. Like that 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 can't possibly be true. Because mm. even like to have that that much extra footage, if it was all if it was all filmed, surely it would cost a hell of a lot less than seventy million. I mean, that'd be interesting to see. I mean, like, because obviously the reason I, it's four minutes sounds shy to me is because they brought back Jared Leto. I'd like, 
is is he only like is is that just they're really going to get four minutes of him? It it would seem strange to you know really curtail the Joker if they're doing so much to get him back, or if they're doing so much to sort of add him to the to, to the, the mix, proceedings. Yeah. yeah, it just seems yeah. I I but I haven't got a clue about the what's actually been refilmed other than I I my impression was that it was significant. Won't everybody be laughing if we're wrong and it's absolutely incredible? Then you all get to absolutely lambaste us on Twitter or whatever you want, lads. So get ready. And honestly, I will I will accept that humbly because that's a win for us because we means we get a good four hour movie. Even saying good four hour movie typically doesn't work as a sentence. So <laughs> take from that what you will. Adrian, thanks for the email. Yeah, appreciate you take appreciate you taking the time. Exactly, and everybody, look if you have if you have thoughts, even if we're awful the way we just were there, and we're just like, ha, whatever you say, Adrian, we disagree. Uh, yeah, look, sorry, just, just send them in because we do like hearing your thoughts, and we're not always saying we're always right because we've we've probably been wrong about things. I mean, I'm sure if you go back in our podcast, you'll find quite a lot of errors. <laughs> <laughs> I dread to think. I dread to think. <laughs> oh, nobody, nobody, please, please don't do that. Don't please, do it. Please, nobody do that. <laughs> don't do it. Christ. Rob, anything else you want to you want to discuss? Let's let's do some quick hot drops, some little little hot 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 scoopity scoops. Quickly get through. <laughs> Steven Spielberg <laughs> is doing a Steven Spielberg movie. There you go. I'm confused here. As in, like a he's like doing like a Steven Spielberg style movie, or he's doing a movie about Steven Spielberg? Nope, he's doing it about yeah, he's doing it about himself. The quote is: He's always drawn inspiration from his childhood years, so in his next film, he's going to focus more directly on his own story. I mean, no offense, but sack off Spielberg, all right? I know you, you spent. You have spent a lot of your uh, your uh, you know capital over the last few years. Don't don't do this now. This was <laughs> ten movies ago. Not 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 now, buddy. <laughs> I mean, like talk about you know on the topic of self indulgence. Like at the top of the podcast, I'm like, what? Yeah, surely there are way more interesting projects that people would like to see from you rather than a movie about yourself. Let somebody else interpret you in a movie in a hundred years. When it's significant. Is that like writing a book about yourself? Are you, can you be unbiased in that regard? Uh, I don't know. It just seems like an odd project to me. Anyway, we don't need to dwell on this. That's all that I have in it. No other details. <laughs> well, I mean, that, that's... Look, all I know is that imagine if I directed a film about myself is like the most self-depreciating, morbid, yet somehow funny thing you've ever seen in your life. I'd watch I'd watch that. I would absolutely watch that. I would watch it, to be honest. I mean, like 99% drunk recorded, like... <laughs> Most of it down the alleyway in Fibsborough that we were in that time. <laughs> <laughs> it's like this incredibly sort of hokey kind of arts and craftsy project a la Rick in Vindicators 3 where he's just like blasted drunk. Yeah, oh, that's literally it. Just this cardboard cutout production of like something he's passionate about and then like you have then when you watch it you have no recollection of even making it in the first place. That's basically how it plays out. Rob, think about this podcast. And like we said, how well-structured and, and scientifically sound and accurate this podcast is. Now imagine that extrapolated to a movie about my life. Film while drunk. It sounds amazing. It sounds absolutely amazing. Rob, I feel like me and you would direct each other's movie lives. or You know, that'd be much better. Yeah, no, because you're, you're too close to the project if it's about yourself. You're too, it's, it, you, wouldn't, you don't have the outside-looking-in perspective of yourself that everybody else has. So, you know, you'd miss the mark, I think, directing. Like, if you, if you were directing about yourself, it, it, would be, it would be just outwardly... It would be too depressing, quite frankly. <laughs> you, you, <you'd, laughs> it'd, be, it'd be too introspective. 
<laughs> even when you said it'd be too depressing I'm already laughing just goes to show you what kind of film again I would make about myself I'm like yeah I'm writing notes here like yeah yeah yeah, yeah perfect yeah, keep going I storyboard it <laughs> Oh, but I just thought it was funny. I mean, just like Steven Spielberg news. This is what his next film is. And I went, I went into it and I was like, oh, wow, the next Spielberg film. Uh, so I was disappointed. Um, other news. Other other quick scoops. Um, the quick scoops, like an ice cream shop. Hugh Grant is in the Dungeons and Dragons movie. What? <laughs> I know. <laughs> Did you know that was coming? No, I know there was one before was it Ben Kingsley maybe no it's not Ben Kingsley I was looking at it I was looking at it the other day on YouTube but there is a previous uh, Dungeons and Dragons movie I didn't know there was another one coming out but it makes sense given the owl revival how, and popularity how things work it definitely makes sense Jeremy Jeremy Irons was in was in Jeremy was in? Irons that's the one sorry that's Ben Kingsley but anyway Jeremy Irons was in it yeah uh, they're cut from the same cloth I know where you I know, I know how you got to that also hilariously humorous that you talk about Dungeons and Dragons because I actually have a Dungeons and Dragons 5th edition guidebook in front of me. No way. Why? I don't know. Apparently there, there could potentially be some playing of Dungeons and Dragons in, in the future. So, are, aren't, do, you have, do you have your little bag of dice? Was that from Dungeons and Dragons? Digital. <laughs> it'll be like a digital dice. Even oh. though friend of the show, Carol, uh, got us dice before. Both of us, I think. Yeah. Lovely, lovely, a lovely little sack of dice each. Yep, and I, I, of course I know exactly where mine is, and anybody else who says otherwise is a dirty liar. <laughs> <laughs> good times, good times. <laughs> this, this is definitely a particularly structured podcast we're having today, Rob. I like oh, it. I love it. Okay, and finally, you're going to love this. Neil Blomkamp says he's writing District 10. Yes, yes. I mean, you said I'm going to love this. That's interesting. Yeah, he is directing District 10. District 9 is one of my all-time favorite films. I loved it. I remembered watching the Alive in in, in Yoberg uh, short film that was released before it and going to the cinema and I couldn't wait to see it. And it was an, it's an excellent movie and I recommend it for anybody. The Ooh. problem is, is it done in one movie and you should leave it alone and is a sequel going to affect its status i don't know but i'm still hopeful how do you feel about it rob i'm very apprehensive about this one because he he exploded onto the scene like in the main in the mainstream scene with district nine but then he's had some weird misses just things that have been like just tonally or like structurally or story they're just they're just it was just off so if you think about Elysium had mega, mega potential, but just kind of missed the mark. It, it's entertaining. Oh. It's got some fun set pieces, but it kind of gets lost in its own sort of weird sort of political sort of and class system sort of storyline. I get what they were trying to do. And it was, I, I thought it was interesting, but it just, it, it was just a bit off for me. But then, oh, bloody hell, Chappie. What the oh, fuck was that Jesus. movie? I hate that movie. I actually, I hate it. And it's, like, the effects he has in his film are probably the best Hollywood effects. Oh, my God. They're so good. They look so realistic. They look so realistic. And, I th- and he does it because th- he does it like this kind of, it's like this in-camera. For It's like the it's like the shaky. It's almost like if you, a lot of his stuff is filmed like some of those Bourne films, but just not as extreme, where it looks more authentic because it looks like somebody's just kind of found them with a camera or like almost documentary style or something. And it really adds a sense of realism to it. But I, I like, they, I, I actually rewatched. Elysium clips recently and 
the effects are incredible in that. Like, so good. Really hold up. And not that it's that old, but just polished and photorealistic. And, it, you know, you watch it, say, we'll take the, the MCU. If you're watching any of those movies, you're very aware of when you're watching something that's very effects heavy. Whereas this, his stuff is more seamless, I think, and impactful for the most part. Couldn't agree more. He actually did... Uh, three short Halo movies to reach five minutes long and add together and make a one cohesive story and they're excellent. He was originally uh, uh, down to do a Halo movie and I think it would have been amazing. The, the, the film, 15 minute movie, short movie, is excellent. Also, he does lots of his own YouTube work under a studio called Oats, Oats Studio. Oh. If you want to look it up on YouTube, there is some fantastic work there with a lot of high profile actors as well. But yeah, I, yeah, like I mean, look, District 9 is amazing. It's incredible. As I said, I feel like the joy in it was that it was a one-and-done movie, but mm. obviously the, the lineage and the, and the demand has been there because it's a very, very well-renowned film. I just, like I said, I'm apprehensive, but I am I am hopeful. I just hope he's learned from the absolute dumpster fire that was Chappie and the <laughs> okay, okayness of Elysium. So He was also yeah. on originally to direct a sequel to Aliens that ignored Alien 3 and all that, and I'm actually happy that never happened now, so... Oh, yeah. I forgot about that. I mean, that's a messy franchise to get involved with at this stage. I feel like, again, I think because of how good District 9 is and because of how... I mean, sorry, I don't think Elysium is terrible. I feel like I shouldn't be ratting on him so much. I, I There's a lot, of, a lot to enjoy in that. It just wasn't... Just very ugh, very kind of meh. But yeah, as a follow-up, specifically. Yeah, yeah. I think, I think that's the problem as well. Yeah, it was the follow-up to that one. But because of what he's sort of showcase and even just those two films you could see the potential in how he could handle aliens or to your point a feature length halo my god actually he's so well equipped to deal with something like that i feel oh check out that that short it's called i will uh, is it nightfall maybe i believe anyway it is absolutely excellent and it's all like you said all that guerrilla style footage of handheld cams and like it's on body cams of the soldiers and stuff like that and it, and it actually leads it leads in directly to the very very start of halo 3 because they they actually find master chief's signature and it all kind of ties in it's excellent oh, that's not clever because i feel like he'd be able to make uh sort of a, he, could, he could interpret it in a way where he could really sell a Halo sort of action sequence, for example, that is almost reminiscent of like the D-Day landing in Saving Private Ryan, where it's the chaos of that in terms of the camera work he uses, but then he's got the polish for the effects to be obviously up to that Halo level that you'd need for it to, to really sell it as a Halo movie. Like he he could he could combine that sort of that that messy sort of scattiness of or that 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 that, that loose structure of something something like that with the polish that's needed to sell the effects and all that kind of thing which um 100 i would love to see from him agreed agreed so check out that uh check out the short film the halo film will do well thank you for the recommendation thank you no worries um and with that then rob will we move on to uh absolutely given i so so again as i said we've had lots of feedback from people and i'm really happy with that because look we did a segment before and i guess it's time to do it again called i could do this all day you can save a cow You can save all of them. One shall stand, one shall fall. Hang on, this all day. Fight! <laughs> Branding really paying for itself here. Oh, on point. And basically what we do is we just... We get suggestions from people online on Twitter about different <laughs> fights of, like, movie characters and, 
you know, we're going we're going to kind of suss them out and hash them out ourselves with whatever rules we deem fit at the time. Okay, yeah, or whatever we can remember about them. Essentially, that's pretty much it. Yeah, uh, look, there's absolutely loads of them here, so there's no way we're going to get through get you all of them because it's already fairly late on in this episode. So I might mm-hmm. even just do two or three or three or four and see what we get on. But can oh, I yeah. just thank everybody because there was some incredible suggestions here, absolutely outrageously good ones. Some I don't even know, some I've never even heard of, and I feel bad for that. <laughs> For example, Rob, I mean, see if you can help me out with this one, bud, because I, I, I think I vaguely know what Wandom is, but the crew, so this is from Movies After Work, and that's at Movies Work, the crew of the Satellite of Love versus The Feebles. The Feebles what? are a, a, an old puppet movie directed by Peter Jackson, I think, years, like, like 20, 30 years ago. And the, the, the Feebles. The crew of the Satellite of Love, I think that's... Is, is, is that's a line in a song is all I know, but I don't know if it has a movie or anything. Maybe I'm wrong, but that's, I'm sorry. I, I have no idea what that means. I did not understand that reference. I really respect the deep cut there. Wow. Oh, that's, a clear, that's a, clearly a deeper cut than we know. Actually, hang on. Feebles, I rec- I'm looking up images now and I recognize the puppetry. And it is, as per usual, making me nauseous. So let's move swiftly along. Rob, of course, <laughs> has an aversion to puppetry as we've discussed before with our Dark Crystal talk. <laughs> Right, okay, let's go to this one from Very dark. A, from Potato Lady Reviews, Potato Lady Podcast Reviews, and that's at Thank you. Bex Goose, and this is an absolutely <laughs> excellent one, so I really wanted to cover this. Rob, you'll, you'll, you'll have lots of fun with this. Okay. Deadpool. Yes. Versus Beetlejuice. <laughs> that is absolutely incredible. The, I, I, I honestly, I, nothing could have prepared me for Beetlejuice there. Um, that is brilliant that's so Not good he never prepares you for Beetlejuice no. actually what was I watching recently where there was like an amazing Beetlejuice reference Community no it was somebody in a court scene Ted 2 this is an amazing bit in Ted 2 where he's he's in court trying to I'm talking about a tangent here but he's like trying to he's trying to get help being proved to be a human and not a not a puppet or a toy or whatever the bloody hell he is <laughs> and him and Mark Wahlberg, Ted and Mark Wahlberg are panicking because the, the, the case isn't going their way. So he goes, <laughs> Ted goes, I need some serious help. And he just goes, Beetlejuice, Beetlejuice. <laughs> and he starts calling out the names. Mark Wahlberg goes, Jesus Christ, you can't, what the fuck are you thinking? You can't have Beetlejuice running around in here. What, what, are, you, what are you thinking? <laughs> they were so bought into the idea that this was a viable option to help them in their court case. I think that was actually going to happen. Uh, it was just such, because you know, in those, Seth MacFarlane movies there's a lot of random humour and a lot of some, like a lot of it doesn't land but that just struck a chord with me sometimes when they do land sometimes I think they really work <laughs> you can't fucking have Beetlejuice running around in here <laughs> the commitment to it I like the I know and the it. panic the panic that he nearly said his name a third time oh it was excellent <laughs> another a, a great community reference by the way in community three series in the first series, they say Beetlejuice once. Second series, they say Beetlejuice again. And the third series, somebody says Beetlejuice. And a guy dressed up as Beetlejuice walks by the camera in the background. You're kidding. I thought you were to say Michael Keaton shows up and I was about to lose my mind, but that's still pretty good. That's I mean, still pretty good, right? I mean, it's very good. Beetlejuice versus Be- versus Deadpool. Who, who Who's your bets on? Who's your who's your bets on? Uh, my initial inclination is to is because he's got his supernatural element and because is he, is he already dead, that... That um, Beetlejuice has the has the edge here. Also, I guess maybe because of his history and his legacy, I maybe I have more of a fondness for for Beetlejuice as well and Michael Keaton in general. I think it's a great face off because um, neither can die easily. That's for sure. And I guess one thing that's very crucial is 
at, at a minimum, Deadpool is self-aware. So he, like, is there a way, because he's self-aware in the world, could, would he know how to defeat Beetlejuice just by, like, he could literally watch the previous film and use that as, like, you know, as a research piece in terms of, all right, well, I'm fine, this guy. Let's see how I can take down Beetlejuice. But there's something wacky and so unpredictable and so next level about Michael Keaton as Beetlejuice. I feel like he'd he'd take him to a bloody court and he'd lock him up in prison or something. Jesus yeah, Christ. Yeah, I mean, like, like the, the court, you know, he'd work with the mouse. So he'd just do something like, you know, he'd make him be the X-Men Wolverine Origins version of him instead of the actual good Deadpool version. Oh, 100%. So he wouldn't know what to do. Like, the quote of Beetlejuice line here, which I love, it's like, I'll eat anything you want me to eat. I'll, I'll swallow anything you want me to swallow. So, so come on down, I'll chew on a dog. <laughs> <laughs> like, like I think I think Deadpool would like, like Beetlejuice. I think Beetlejuice would like Deadpool. Maybe. But again... Maybe, yeah. Is that is that how it would resolve itself? That they'd, they'd no. be fighting, but they'd get on too well. So they'd be just like, let's just end it here. They, they're not, they would be enemies. I think Deadpool would be like, no, okay, eventually, after a while, we'll be like, okay, I probably got to take this guy down, you know, I, I guess I should. And at that stage, Beetlejuice would be like, no, you, you, you got you to gotta get away from me. Like, I, I'm not going to let you take me down now, buddy. I'm not, I'm not going to let you take me down. And obviously, he would, like, turn into some kind of weird ravenous worm creature or kind of try to banish Deadpool to some weird land of sand. And again, Deadpool wouldn't be, be really stopped by that. But I feel like, yeah, unless he said, and maybe he might be like, this is too easy to say the word three times, you know? He might get his back up about that by just saying Beetlejuice three times. I hmm. feel like he wouldn't want to use it. Especially because he'd like break the four, fourth wall and he'd be like, well, come on guys, you know this is too easy. It's not going to be enjoyable if I say the word three times. Yeah. So he'll actually want to make it a, a knockout, punch out fight. And I don't know, weirdly I see, I just see the charm and charisma <laughs> Ironically, a weird way, weird way to put that of Beetlejuice because he's not particularly charismatic or charming. But, you know, he's a bit of a, oh, Jesus, that guy's fucking kind of weird. So, that, I don't know. My bets on personal preference, I would definitely give to Beetlejuice. Yeah, I, I think so. I think one of those cases where, it again, it's not one of those physical battles where, or necessarily, because, you know, they're both witty. They, I think one could easily outwit the other, actually. They're both quite savvy when it comes to, you know, dealing with you know stronger foes as we uh, as you could put it but um, i think there's something about the kind of the canius and just the randomness of beetlejuice that would win out that he would just wear deadpool down or deadpool would just like off himself or something like he would drive him insane uh i don't know something 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 about beetlejuice his his they're both unpredictable but he's extra unpredictable and he's got that kind of bloody hellscape of a world that he comes from that he can leverage yes, in some yes. yeah, I just feel like he could trap Deadpool down there or something that just he just has an edge because he's more on the on the supernatural side. That's what And I'm Deadpool thinking. has some sort of connection to humanity, even for a very small one, he does have one. Yeah. Whereas Beetlejuice yeah. is just like yeah, yeah. <laughs> lady <laughs> The ghost of the most. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Like so yeah, I definitely feel like he might be like Deadpool might get the upper hand in like 16 out of 17 times but all Beetlejuice will need is that one time to get the upper hand and all of a sudden Deadpool is banished to the underworld or to hell and it's like well good luck to you now bud <laughs> what 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 do we think the key powers because we know what we know what Deadpool has he like obviously he, he always regenerates he's got his incredible sharp shooter and knife skills he's very very flippity floopity he can cartwheel about the place you know physically strong basically indestructible unless I guess you chop his head off or something but what what are the what are the powerful skill sets that Beetlejuice brings to the table by comparison though? That's what I'm trying to 
wrap my head oh, around I, here. I, I got this one. The answer is sleaze. <laughs> sleaze. <laughs> He's such a creepy, sleazy guy. And he's always like, <laughs> clearing his throat and everything. Oh, he's, it's so uh, dirty. It's so Michael dirty. Keating in that role knocks it out of the park. And he, <laughs> so he was originally supposed to play Jack Sparrow. And people are like, what? But think about it. After watching him as Beetlejuice, you're like, you know what? I could see that. He, I, he totally could. I mean, for, for Beetlejuice is, is far wackier and far more off the plot than Jack Sparrow. Yeah. Jack Sparrow is just and like he, a drunken sailor. Literally. <laughs> drunken sailor what become of the drunken sailor and also Beetlejuice could turn into like weird amusement park rides and stuff like that and like shrink people and everything so like come on yeah he's he, he's too much other, his, his otherworldly powers are too are, it's too much and also like it's not even it, it's not like the same level as physical power but it's just so trippy you just like you would lose your mind you wouldn't know where you are like you're just all and, over the bloody shop and the costume, I mean, the black and white costume is just iconic. You know, it's iconic. <laughs> it's so good, actually. Reminds me of a friend of mine at a, at a Halloween party. Uh, Biscuits is, is his name. Don't think he listens to this. Well, it's not, it's not his real name, but that's what we call him. Um, Biscuits. Biscuits, yeah. He dressed up as Beetlejuice for um, a Halloween party. And people weren't really buying... It wasn't a great... It was a cheap interpretation of the costumes. It just looked like he was wearing striped pyjamas. And he was really pissed off at how he looked at it he wasn't selling the Beetlejuice attire at all so anyway he had a few beverages I wasn't paying attention I walk into my roommate's room at one point and he's in there he has applied a, a mess of green hair dye uh, to his hair the white face paint is on but also he has another drunken friend shaving the sides of his head with a razor <laughs> to complete the look of Beetlejuice <laughs> What? Oh my god, man. <laughs> By any chance did he then walk onto the set of community? <laughs> <laughs> Maybe. Oh, I just remember that wow. very fondly. God, that was And we were like, was... Beetlejuice, Beetlejuice, Beetlejuice. Yeah. And off he went. Um yeah, so I just I have many fond memories of Beetlejuice and, and Beetlejuice rated stuff. But uh, yeah, I think he would take it. 100%. Nice. All right, that's Beetlejuice for the win. Okay, uh, there's so many here, but I, I'm gonna be, I guess we'll get you two more and then we'll do the next, maybe there's loads of them, so we'll get you some more in the next episode. Well, we have a back catalogue of them anyway. We will get to them at some point. Exactly, but some of them are, there's definitely two I want to cover here. So the first one I will cover, and this might be one, maybe probably more for me than you, but I know one definitely is on your corner. So this is from the uh, Never a Straight Answer podcast, and that's at NASA underscore never. So it's Biff from Back to the Future. <laughs> versus Johnny from the Karate Kid in the Bully Bro Down <laughs> which is just excellent the bloody hell man that is <laughs> an, that's a weird coincidence I swear to god I just popped into the living room yesterday I just I just randomly changed the channel and Back to the Future 2 was on so I left that on for a while I kid you not and obviously yeah, that's a very classic that's obviously a very Biff central one because he gets the almanac and the, 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 the and he's, he's 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 the focal point for like that that Marty has to that whole side down. story in exactly. Trump Tower, basically. Exactly. Oh, it's so similar. McFly, you block, you blockhead. <laughs> you two are oh, excellent. All right, all right. Okay, so Rob, we did this last time, and to preface the fight, how about on on the count of three, we both say who we think would win the fight? Okay. So yes. one, two, three. Johnny, Johnny from Back to the Future. Yeah, from not Back to the Future, from the credit kids. So we both say yeah. Johnny. Yeah, it has to be. Like Biff is a bully, but he always loses. He's and he's an idiot. 
He's is a complete idiot. Now like, hold on a second, Rob. I take I I take umbrage with that. I thought you were going to go with Biff because you know what? He's he's on the surface an idiot, but when he gets older, it's amazing. Actually, it's the inverse of each other because when he gets older, he's smart enough to take that almanac and kind of hide it, and he, like he goes back and he puts it away. And he's like, "You hide that kid. You hide it and all that." You know. Whereas yeah. Johnny Lawrence, as we've seen in Cobra Kai, the older version is exactly the same as the younger version, except for he's a bigger loser. <laughs> I suppose, yeah, I, I think that, that, that bit I always kind of I find odd is that, it, like, if you think of the interaction between old Biff and younger Biff in the past, in the, in the movie, like, it's odd that they're the same person in that interaction because it's take, it takes so much explaining for older Biff to explain the significance of the book. <laughs> Like, but it's the same. Per- like he's explaining it to himself, and he doesn't. He himself doesn't get it. Like he's not. Uh, he's just. He's just get away from me, old man. He just takes the book. Yeah. Doesn't want to do with it. <laughs> he doesn't even peg that. It like he. He's not pros. I just. It depends what version of Biff we're dealing with here. Because if it's, if it's high school era Biff, he he's going to lose because he's a loser in that circumstance, and he just doesn't get things. He's just going to end up. Johnny's just going to kick some sort of crate or something and he's going to get covered in manure. It's just guaranteed because that is always, that is how Biff's story goes. Oh, manure. Just just manure somewhere, like. There's always manure in the mix, regardless of who it is, who who does it or what film it is. Manure is the factor here because fair enough, older Biff, I think older Biff gets the idea though, I think from like a happenstance, like he comes across the, the almanac kind of by chance. It's not like he sought it out. He just about had the wherewithal to like keep it. But every other kind of interaction with Biff tends up, you know, he's, he's an idiot. He makes a fool of himself. He's just spiking punch, looking at girls' magazines, not really knowing what he's really doing and always getting trumped, pun intended. I just, and I don't have the same, I don't have the same back of of information for, for Johnny, but I just don't think, I think Johnny, he is the bloody skills. Oh, listen, Johnny is the two-time All Valley champion. All right, okay. Johnny's okay. got some. Johnny's got some moves. He's <laughs> Johnny's got some moves. Back in the day, he was he was pretty kick-ass. Like you know, he he didn't even want to mess up the Karate Kid. Obviously, but uh, Crease was all like, "Kick him, kick him!" And then he's like, "I, I don't want to," and all that. So he's actually like, he's he's not the worst. He's an asshole in the first one. Don't get me wrong, but well able to hold his own, you know. And I feel like in a fist fight, sure, he would beat. Biff, hundred percent. But even as we see, like nowadays, Johnny, he doesn't even know what the internet is. He's like, you know, take a photo and send it to the internet. You know, he doesn't know how to use it. Whereas I feel like Biff is the kind of of guy who would chew like just happenstance, or because he started off as, like you said, he's always a loser. He would probably at some point learn from that. Whereas Johnny started off as a real winner and a kind of guy with a good trajectory, and because of that, then went to be a loser that he probably never actually learned his lesson from it. Whereas Biff probably learned to be craftier because Marty was be craftier. So therefore, Biff would have to counteract that, you know? So I feel like Biff would be smarter at things and setting traps and setting perhaps traps involving manure than, <laughs> than Johnny would. Obviously, the fact that he set it up with manure would mean Johnny would get the upper hand and like, you know, kick him into a into a, a pile of manure. But still, I think he would be crafty. I think it'd be, I think it'd be more difficult than we, than we think. Maybe it will be more difficult, but what you're, but again, you're falling for the the time paradox trap, which is that smart version of that crafty version of Biff you're talking about is in the alternate history that ultimately true. 
is erased. Because when we fast forward to, you know, when we get back to the, the normal present that the movies are set in, when he gets back, like, he's still the gardener for Marty's dad or whatever. He's still just a helper. And yeah. he's, he's just like, oh, sorry, Mr. McFly. Like, he's this downtrodden, feeble man at that point. Like, he's like, and that's after decades of, from when the, that significant moment of when George McFly punched him. He's, he's still too scared to, like, square up to him, even at that point. And that's, like, a whole generation later. So, for, so depending on what timeline we're talking about here, and you'd have to default to what the film's ultimately settle on, you could argue that that version of Biff never really regains the, the confidence or the strength or the sort of the, yeah. the bullying nature that he had when he was in high school. He did have it in that alternate history, but not in the one that it ultimately settles on. That's and if you want to take that, that, and that's uh, that's perfect. And if you want to take the level of the bully e in this situation, you're taking like, look, Marty McFly is is crafty and he's smart and all that, but he's not like a tough guy. But Daniel Larusso is he's a, he's the karate kid. Like he's learning karate. He knows what he's doing at the end of that <laughs> film. So it's not as if he learns from Mister Miyagi, the the, the 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 bloody legend. Like so, he's it's not as if he's. He's a he's a rookie anymore, you know. He he knows what he's yeah. doing. So I feel like the quality of bully is only matched by the quality of the person they're bullying, or the other way around. I guess that's true. Marty kind of gets around just by a bit of fluke and a bit of luck, and by the he does a bit of a bit of a cheeky grin, and he's flying by the seat of his pants kind of thing. Yeah. Whereas whereas uh, in the Karate Kid, it's all about putting in the in in, in the in the hard yards, you know, grafting and grinding to get to that point where you've trained so much so that you've completely ca- caught your, your nemesis by surprise at, at how much you've improved, which is a very different scenario. Like, so Johnny lost out because of being unprepared or just unexpected at how prepared his yeah. foot would be versus... And an illegal, and an illegal high kick. Yeah, well, look, he broke his leg. So, well, I mean, what are we talking about here? Yeah, that's fair. That's... Where do we draw the line? <laughs> I guess that's fair. That's that's a fair <laughs> criticism. Yeah. <laughs> A legal high kick, you fucking Johnny sympathizer, yet. Yeah. I am a Johnny sympathizer. Cobra Kai has made me a Johnny Lawrence sympathizer. <laughs> I tell you, man, Johnny would take it. He's going to beat Biff. He's got the drive by comparison, and he's got the skills. He's got the mad karate skills. It's he's a hundred percent going to take it. All right, look, we'll cover one last one really, really quickly, and I'll leave. There's some great ones there that we can cover next time. This is just a jokey one that will probably be done in, in like two minutes. And this is from Spin the Wheel Podcast, and that's at Spin the Wheel Pod. Mr. Ham from Toy Story versus Babe Pig in the City. (laughs) 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 Oh, good times, good times. Now that is out of left field. That is so random. I don't even know what to do with that. I know who I think is going to win. Well, if if it's if it's a just a street fight bar brawl. (laughs) We know it's going to win. <laughs> okay. That's a very important... That's an important context there already. Yeah, because if it's, if it's a larger overall multifaceted layer, layers war, then obviously Babe, Pig in the City, Babe's exactly. going to win that one. He's going to have his own like revolutionary army built up of geese and, and cows and <laughs> sheep and horses. But if it's a knockdown bar brawl... Smashing a glass bottle off the bar, that kind of dirty fight. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> 100% like, yeah. Oh yeah, flicking Babe's tail around and everything like. <laughs> oh, he's yeah, he's definitely winning. He's winning the dirty fight, definitely all the time. But I do, but because <laughs> Babe, I, I don't think you're like the multi-layered thing. Basically, <laughs> if the contest involves something akin to a sheepdog competition where there's multiple multiple stages of contest, then yeah, yeah, sure, Babe will take it. Um, like he can inspire, he can inspire others. But in a one to one, he's not taking on 
what's his name again? Ham? Ham, yeah. No, no, but look, look, Babe is a more subversive type of pig. <laughs> oh, God. Oh, God. Jesus uh, Christ. Look, yeah. Look, realistically, as I said, give me if the context is your bar brawl, he's drunk. Mr. Ham is stumbling home from the from the toy bar, you know, wants to make it home and Babe Pig in the City gets in his way. He, he's winning that fight. Oh, yeah. But if it's a if it's a twenty twenty year affair with uh you know political implications and stuff like that, babe's winning. Yeah, yeah. If it's a polit- if they're both if, if they're both running for election, and and they're trying to like they're trying to ra- rally rally crowds, <laughs> babe will get elected and he'll put Ham in prison. That's like we're talking like you know corrupt communist state where there's just two. <laughs> Equally evil parties running against each other, trying trying to oh. trying to trying to brainwash the the, the various <laughs> constituents. <laughs> then mean. yes, then yes, babe, I'll give him that one. But I'm sorry, just in a bra- in a brawl in a straight up one on one brawl, that John Ratzenberger raspiness and canniness, yep. he just he'll just intimidate him with his voice alone. He's just yeah, <laughs> like already I can hear him like intimidating him with oh, oh, hey pig you, you wanna fight pig huh yeah, you wanna fight pig like you said breaking it breaking it breaking a bottle over the counter and he's gotta get him that way like yeah I, honestly I can hear him going I'll be having a slice of bacon for lunch tonight or something like he's gonna he's gonna get aggressive and he's just gonna kill him isn't Mr. Ham a piggy bank he is he's like firing firing like gold coins at him ah listen he's Buying people off and everything. <laughs> buying the exactly. cops off after. Oh, he's, he's, off. he's got this one. Yeah, because Babe couldn't kill, but so even if he wins the first time and puts him in prison, then Ham can just bribe the, the, the police, the security, and just like, let me out of here. <laughs> yeah, he has to be Mr. Ham. Mr. Mr. Ham for the win. Look, guys, there's so much excellent ones to go through, and we will get through the rest of them because there's one in particular that I'm I'm just like foaming at the mouth to talk about because it's, oh, it's got us all over it. But we will talk about them in our next episode because this is surely to God at this point we have to say that we're at the, at the end of the show, I guess. We are. And if I could say very quickly, those obscure random, like that ham versus babe, that whoever came up with that, bravo that's very clever because that's so obscure but also oddly a really good contest so more of that please and thanks to everybody who's been submitting because yeah they're a ton of fun and there's as i said there there is a in that thread that i put up there is there's some great ones there so look thank you so much for everybody uh doing that because we i don't know hopefully it comes across but obviously we have so much fun doing these kind of movie fights i think <laughs> we, we we have probably have more fun Ham than people listening babe <laughs> a more subversive type of pig but uh, yeah so thank you so much guys thanks for, for reviews and, and thanks for the podcast of the week and all that and look guys if you want to recommend us to friends or share us and stuff like that we'd really love it but look you don't have to if you just want to listen and have fun that's fine too so yeah um, Rob where can people find us all over the bloody shop the website capunderstands.com and also on that website and as the aforementioned Adrian Adrian you can email the lads at capunderstands.com isn't that fun so if you want us to unfairly with no chance for rebuttal critique whatever you send us <laughs> then you can do it that way <laughs> so there's that um, you can also catch all our episodes on there and um, links to some other articles and stuff from uh, from over time and then of course if you just want to listen to the episodes a la carte uh, we're on SoundCloud we're on Spotify uh, Apple iTunes Podchaser Podtail uh, Google Podcasts Amazon Prime although probably not anymore uh, we've been banned probably or something like that true yeah 
Bullhorn FM. Yeah. Oh, of course. Highly reviewed on there, as you can as you can tell. I think that's that's the guts of it. And uh, yeah, it's all it's all I it's I understood that reference. That'll that'll get you there, if you're searching for us. You will indeed. And as ever, thanks to like the Pod Nation group and stuff because they really help us out. And thanks, obviously to every single person who listens because it really helps us and obviously we, we like doing this and hopefully you guys enjoy it too but um i guess all that's left to say is that i've been ross oh and i've been rob and this has been i understood that reference thanks very much for listening Falcha. Same a more today. subversive type of pig a more i can hear <laughs> here's a here's a bonus joke for you what would uh what would he what would that character what would he call his podcast he bloody call it Ham Radio. Am I right? Oh, Jesus. Am I right? <laughs> oh. <laughs>